Kiora Equippers Church. Uh, it's so great to be with you this Sunday, uh, Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate two things really the, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon God's people and also the birth of the church. In Acts chapter 2, we see that 120 were there and uh, really they were getting themselves ready for what Jesus had talked about. And the Holy Spirit came to give great power to His people. You know, I, I just want to say um, hello to Pastor Sam and Kathy and the whole team there at Equippers Church. You guys are amazing. And God is using you effectively all over the world. And I just believe the greatest days of Equippers are ahead as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And today I want you to open up your heart and open up your spirit to see what God wants to do in your life in this season, in this time. I want to speak to you on the topic, God's Glorious Church. You know, there's an old nursery rhyme that we have talked about when we're growing up and we learned, you know, Humpty Dumpty, know the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. The Bible, not the Bible, the nursery rhyme goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Then it says, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And uh, I heard a guy talk about this and he said, the reason why Humpty Dumpty couldn't be put back te- together again is because there's no mention of God's church because all the king's horses may talk about all the institutions that people rely on. They will never put your life back together again. It's God through His church that will bring restoration and healing and revelation and power to this world. I heard someone once say, where the church goes, so does society. And God's church is God's institution at this time. Or uh, From the day of Pentecost, Jesus talked about the church first time in Matthew 16. Jesus was there and he, the Bible says, when He came, verse 13, into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Who the Son of Man is? So they said, some say John the Baptist. So they were really telling him what the community uh, understanding of him was. Some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he turns it back to the disciples and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is equippers? You know, in times where everything is flourishing, we can have a view of what Jesus is like. But in times where things are are locked down and things are uh, challenging in our lives, who is Jesus to you in this season? Who do you say that Jesus is? And the Bible says, and Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, man's reasoning has not revealed this to you, but it's a supernatural revelation from my Father that's revealed it to you. And he says, And you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The very first time, church is mentioned in the Bible. In Acts chapter 2 is when the church is launched. In Matthew 16, the church is introduced. 
And he then says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. God's institution to bring kingdom reformation. And Acts chapter 2, there they are. On the day of Pentecost, in one accord, one mind, and then suddenly from heaven came the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And all of a sudden, Peter, who was timid, becomes Peter, who says, you who crucified Christ. There was an encounter and an empowerment for the church, the vehicle, God's institution, to bring change in society and to bring His kingdom into this earth. Who is Jesus to you? You know, Peter stood up and I actually believe he was standing up on behalf of all the disciples and he was telling them what they thought Jesus was. And he said, you are the Christ, the anointed one. He is the Christ. The word Christ means anointed. And you see, if you don't understand, Jesus is the anointed one, you'll never operate in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit because we'll just be operating in a practical, man-made Christianity. But God wants a supernatural, empowered Christianity, a Spirit-empowered Christianity. You know, Jesus, when He came off the mountain for fasting for 40 days, He then announces Himself to the world. And He goes into the temple and He opens the scrolls in Luke 4 and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Everyone say, anointed me. In your house, say, He's anointed me. He's anointed me to what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There are so many brokenhearted people right now. There's so many people who are going through challenges right now. And it's needing God's church empowered by the Spirit of God to rise up. It's to proclaim liberty to the captives. So many people feeling captive right now. And recovery of sight to the blind. In other words, vision wants to come to your life. God doesn't want you to live in darkness. He wants to turn the light on and bring direction where there seems no direction. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. He had a great fall, but all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. In other words, All the institutions we might depend upon will never give you vision. What gives you vision is understanding who Christ is. He's the anointed one. And the same anointing that was on Jesus is on you and I, His glorious church to bring change and reformation. Anointing means to be set apart for a divine purpose or purposes. You are set apart. For a divine purpose, Equipus Church. You are set apart to bring change all over the world, in all the continents that you're in. You are set apart to bring the love of Jesus. You're set apart to bring the power of Jesus. You're set apart to bring heaven's wisdom. You're set apart to bring heaven to earth through your life. Who is Christ to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is He just a teacher? Is He just a philosopher? Or is He the anointed one? It's because the anointing is what changes people. You see, the anointing brings healing. God wants to use His church to bring healing to people's lives, whether it's physically, emotionally, emotionally, 
whether it's spiritually, God wants us to operate in the anointing and we receive the anointing when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them power, ability, efficiency and might. He anointed them, set them apart to bring healing to the world. The anointing is for proclaiming liberty. It's time to declare there is life in Jesus. The devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy. That's what a virus will do. Steal, kill and destroy. Destroy from people's economies, destroy from their health. But Jesus came to proclaim liberty. He he came to bring liberation to people. He came to set and proclaim liberty. You know, it's our finest hour, church, when we declare that Jesus is the liberator of all people. He is the one who sets us free. He came, the anointing is for the recovery of sight to the blind. I talk about this. It's a recovery of vision. So many people not knowing what the next day is going to bring, what the next season is going to bring. But the Holy Spirit is the one who brings revelation. He is our advocate. He is the one who comes alongside. He is the one who leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is here for you and I. In fact, Jesus... He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And He said in John 16, I'm going away, but I'm going to send somebody who will represent me and He will lead you into all truth. He's called the Holy Spirit. You see, vision is led by truth and truth leads vision. When you understand who Jesus is, the truth of who He is, you have great vision for your life. And my encouragement to you, equipers today is let the Holy Spirit come and illuminate and bring vision to what He wants you to do in this season. The anointing wants to bring liberty or liberation of the oppressed. So many oppressed right now. So many discouraged right now. So many people hurting right now. And the anointing is there on you and I, the church, God's glorious church, to bring liberation to the oppressed. And also to proclaim the year of the Lord. It is not time to shrink back. It's not time to bunker down. It's time to outreach, equippers. It's, it's time for the church to outreach to lost and hurting people, to, to ring somebody, to encourage somebody, to buy something for somebody, to share a link of church to somebody, to do something. Don't, don't live according to your cocoon, but get out of your cocoon and look according to the vision God has for your life to proclaim the year of the Lord. So he said, you're the Christ. The second thing he said is, You're the son of the living God. I love this because we don't serve a dead God who's not interested in our life. We serve a God who's alive. We serve a God who comes to give life and life to the full. We serve a God who gives Zoe life. He comes and empowers us to make a difference. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power. Power brings life. And God wants our life to be living. Spiritually active. He hasn't called us to be locked in in confinement. He's designed you to be living, to be active. And you know, there's this word called atrophy, which actually what happens is 
if people do not, it actually means this, a wasting away of a body or an organ, a degeneration or a decline or a decrease from disuse, not use. And you know the thing we got to be careful with right now in this world, that we don't, uh, we, dis- stop, we start disusing or stop using our spiritual muscles. I, I want to encourage you, if you're watching online, don't just turn up in your pajamas and, and sit there with a coffee and go, yeah, bro, that's good, bro. In praise and worship, just don't sit there and chill out. Stand on your feet. Get your spiritual muscles active. You know, yes and amen. Let there be a, sh- a shout of victory in the house of God. If you've got family around you, lay hands upon them in your families. Get your spiritual massive activated. It's a living God. He's not a dead God. He's alive. And it's time for, we don't need any spiritual atrophy in the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ moving and ministering and touching lives for His glory. He's a living God. He's alive. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 says, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, I love this. A God that's dead doesn't have mercy because He doesn't have the ability to have it. But a God who's live brings mercy, rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace we have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, our good works should be backed up by the living God. In other words, we have grace, unmerited favour from this living, loving, powerful God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says, Blessed are you, Peter. Peter is the word Petros and a masculine form of the word for a stone. So in other words, Petros is a stone. But the word rock that Jesus has used here is Petra, which is a feminine form of the same word. This word was used in classical Greek for a collection of stones knitted together to form a larger rock, such as a ledge or a slab. It meant many stones joined together to form a rock that is far larger and more significant than one stone could be. This is a great picture of the church. Elsewhere, Paul likened it to the human body in which all individual parts are knit together to form one whole. The analogy is different, but the point is the same. The church is not built on Peter alone, 
but on Peter, the apostles, and all those who believe and confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, coming together to form this larger entity called the church. So it's your revelation and my revelation and Peter's revelation and Sam's revelation and Bruce's revelation and every one of the people all over the world's revelation of who Jesus is. He is the Christ and it's on the revelation of who Jesus is. The stones come together to form a rock of revelation. The body comes together and operates with Christ as the head. So who is Christ to you? You need your own personal revelation of who He is. You know the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, heavenly revelation comes from the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, is active in the world today. And His whole job is to reveal who Jesus is and Jesus reveals the Father. And so the revelation of Jesus comes through the illumination of the Holy Spirit of who Jesus is. That's why Pentecost Sunday, our celebrating Pentecost is so important because it's the Holy Spirit who reveals, who who is our advocate and He is the one that reveals Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So God's glorious church is built on the revelation of Christ. He is the foundation of the rock that we live our lives on. God's glorious church is a church that's alive. God's glorious church is built on the anointing. But watch this. God's vehicle is the church. It's for is the church for transformation to New Zealand, to Australia, to Geneva, to there in uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro, to Sao Paulo, to India, to um, uh, the UK. Are you all going over there in the UK? To every one of you in Germany, to there in New Zealand, to my relatives, now that my daughter's married, I'm part Maori, Kiora. <laughs> but the, God's vehicle is the church to bring transformation. Do you know the word church means called out once? You are being called out by God to bring heaven to earth through your life. God's calling you, Equipus Church, to make a difference in the world like never before. God's calling you and saying, come on, let's go change the world together. God's calling, you know, when Jesus says, I'm going away and you'll do even greater than I do. How could we do greater than Jesus? Jesus wasn't talking about the quality of miracle. You know, you can't get better than raise a dead man who's dead back to life. It's pretty hard to beat five loaves and two fish feeding, feeding at least 20, 30,000 people. So how can you do greater in the quality of miracle? He wasn't saying about that. We will have the quality of miracles. But what he's saying is we'll do greater because every one of us will have the Spirit of God. Every one of us will have the Holy Spirit come upon us if we want Him to, to give us ability, efficiency and might to, to use greatly for Him. 
every one of us, so we can change the world in a greater sphere at one time. That's how we can do greater, even greater, is when the Spirit of God, the purpose of the church, we're called out to do great things for God. We're called out to, do, uh, to see the world change in a time where there's a pandemic, where there's issues, where there's problems. It's a time for the called out ones to begin to bring change whether it's through prayer, whether it's through good deeds, whether it's through miracles, whether it's being a light, whether it's darkness, you're called out. You are the vehicle for transformation. What is the purpose of the church? It's for the exaltation of Jesus. We don't lift up a name of a church. We don't lift up a name of a preacher because none of them will save you. But we lift up a name that's above every name. The reason why we come together and we worship is to exalt Jesus. The reason we want to bring transformation is to exalt Jesus. Everything we do is for the exaltation of Jesus. It's not for the exaltation of any man. It's for the exaltation of Jesus. That's the purpose of our churches. The purpose of the church is for the proclamation of the gospel. We're being called out to proclaim the good news. There's good news in Jesus. He is a healer. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our love. He is our protection. He is the banner over us. He is our provider. It's for the proclamation of good news. The purpose of the church is for biblical doctrine. Amazes me how many people live by humanistic thinking rather than what the Word of God says. It's the Word of God that we base our life on. We don't base it on human reasoning. We don't base it on, you know, what uh, institutions will say. Yes, we, we have wisdom with all that. But we base our life on the Word of God says. What does the Word of God say about your life and my life? What does the Word of God say about our families? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does the Bible say about provision? What does the Bible say about the church? What does the Bible say about uh, everything we do? That's what we base our lives on. The Word of God. Biblical doctrine. That's what the church was established to help. What is the church's purpose? Providing a place of fellowship. A place, you know, as good as online and reaching people, it's all good. And, and you know, at Planet Shakers, we probably reach half a million people every week online. But online is a church experience. Online isn't church. It's just what we're using right now to have a church experience. What is church is fellowship and discipleship. It is the fellowship of, of coming together. And I, 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 I want to encourage you, don't get, um, don't get in your spiritual atrophy, but get your spiritual muscles ready because there will be a time where we can come together in greater and greater numbers. Pray that it happens. Coming together, place of fellowship. The joining of meals, the breaking of bread, that's family. God uh, has a purpose for His church to be family. The purpose of His church is prayer and intimacy with God. The purpose of church is lighthouse, to be a lighthouse where there's darkness. It's to be salt 
in our community. It is the kingdom representation of heaven on earth. I've taught this for many, many years. The Bible says we're ambassadors of God. What does that mean? We have all of the kingdom we represent at our disposal. And an ambassador lives in an embassy. So if I went to New Zealand and went into the Australian embassy or went to Germany in the Australian embassy, as I step into those places, I'm in Australia. When when people step into your vicinity, you are the church. The church isn't a building. The church is, it's the people of God coming together with with the purpose of lifting up Jesus. But when they come into your vicinity, they should be stepping into heaven because you carry heaven in your life. We are the kingdom representative of heaven on earth. It's for discipleship. The church is a body. It's supposed to function together. Bible says each joint supplies. We supply to each other, connected. That's why don't get dislocated at this time. Get located, come together. The church is a body. The church is a family, as I said before. The church's purpose is a hospital to heal the broken. The church's purpose is be a bride. Think about this. Lucifer was the most beautiful angel out of all of them. And he got prideful. And you you see two beauties on this earth right now. You see the beauty of the flesh that gets exalted all through media and Hollywood and where people say that's what's beautiful. But that is how Satan views beauty. But God's beauty is in His church, the bride, the glory of heaven. And God says, you thought you were beautiful? Watch what I do. I'm going to raise up a bride that is more beautiful than you ever were, that is more dynamic and more powerful. And I actually made them lower than you, Lucifer, but they're going to have greater beauty because they're going to reflect my glory. Your beauty reflects your pride. Their their beauty will reflect my glory. We are the bride to reflect the glory of God. And we are an army. It's time to stand up in our prayer lives. The Bible says heaven suffers violent and the violent taken by force. In other words, there's a there's a determination in faith that say, God, you've got to shift something in our nation. God, you've got to shift something in the world. God, we bind any spirit that would try to control and intimidate and, and, and manipulate. We bind any spirit that is not of you and we loose. That's why the Bible says He gives you the keys of the kingdom. <laughs> we are the army of God. We are the army of God. And the Bible says that on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So there is a spiritual battle. But he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. In other words, whatever the enemy throws at you, whatever attack, I'll give you a key to lock, to bind what they're doing. And I'll give you a key to open up heaven to, to be an a, a answer to that situation. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. God has given us keys, church, in prayer. We can come into agreement with what the heavenly realms say, what God says in the heavenly realms, and we can bind in the heavenly realms what the enemy wants to do. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. We are an army. Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the armour of God. Check it out in your own time. And you know, I hear a lot of people talking about the new norm. Let me tell you what I 
I believe the church's role is in the new norm is to bring a heavenly norm, not an earthly norm, a heavenly norm. That should be the new norm. You know, you see, we're called to bind all things that aren't of Christ and loose all things which are in what is what heaven is like on earth. That's what you and I are. And you know, the church is God's vehicle for restoration, transformation, and it's the Holy Spirit that comes in the church to bring change. That's why on this Pentecost Sunday, we honour Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, come on. Reach out to Him. God's called you to be His church. You are the Christ, the anointed one. You are the Son of the living God. You're alive. On the revelation of these stones coming together, form a ledge, a rock, I'll build my church. That will shift things in the Spirit. The gates of hell will not prevail. And this church will be powerful to bring transformation because it has the power to bind and to loose. Come together in agreement. And that's the Holy Spirit that gives us power to do that.